0: now good morning good afternoon good evening whatever you're listening to us and how you're listening to us. thank you for making the sports and the world podcast party today i'm the darius and i'm chris hope you were well and safe out. hope you guys had a great christmas a great holiday as well and how are you my man
1: you know what i'm doing great I'm doing great, I had a great Christmas, I had a great Christmas gift.
0: I've been
1: you, I have been gifted the throne of 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 the fantasy league. I'm the official king, the grand champion of sorts.
0: Great. Is they have a real title? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I wanted to go like the Bruce Buffer out and the undefeated undisputed, but I'm uh, I'm not undefeated. Uh but I won if you ain't first or last, rookie bobby.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So that makes me, yeah, shake and bake. So I'm the big part of the shake and bake, I feel like.
1: Yeah, man. It's <sighs> a good sign. It's a great Christmas gift. I actually won it the day after Christmas. Uh, the, the Tampa Bay game uh, secured it for me. The Tampa Bay-Arizona, I just needed to get a few points squeaked out of uh, Chris Godwin, and I did. And uh, it, it worked out. So, you know, I'm happy, to, uh, I'm happy to get the title, but you know what sucks, though? Is it now? It's over. Now we got to wait like two hundred something days until we get to do it all over again.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I guess I'll be yeah. Like I say, I guess it, one of the matches I was Cal Nutton Jr. and you were Ricky Bobby, and so I I I always, we had an agreement that I would be second and then you would win because you're yeah. It's it's all about not wanting the spotlight. That's yeah. And but the, you know, and,
1: you you did help me out though, because in the other league that we're in, you did get me into the first place in the into the title game after uh, after I put the final nail in your coffin.
0: Yeah. So you know, I, I'm not saying a, a lordship should be in question or anything like that, but just something to something a lord mayor. I, I, it's, no. I'm just put, I'm just putting it out there. You know, when you write down your list of potential appointments for your for your kingdom. King's Tusk title
1: is what it's called, actually, in our league. In case anybody's <laughs> wondering. Oh
0: <laughs> ah, man! Well, well, I wasn't, and now I'm going to stop not wondering about it. So that's—I felt yeah. that should have been written in before the start of the season. Like, oh, that's what the name of it. So I prepared myself. But no, now that I know, okay. Now, but before we get to before we get to the king's speech, let's yes. let's jump into uh, let's jump into week sixteen here. Season's winding down. We had a coach get the ax. Not surprising. I, th- I think, Chris, we're at this stretch now where I think uh, obviously the playoff push, but now you're starting to see business decisions, as I like to call them. You're seeing potential moves that where you can look at certain teams, especially the quarterback position, and go either A, how in the world are they going to figure it out next year, or B, where will they play next year? Because we, I think there's a couple of quarterbacks where, one in particular where I just kind of feel strong. He's not going to be where he's at come the 2023 season. But we'll get to into all of that. It's so much more to unpack. But, Chris, give me your thoughts on week 16 of the National Football League season.
1: You know what? Business decisions, game decisions, I think some decisions were made in – East Rutherford, New Jersey with the New York Jets on Thursday night. I'm going to start there and just just, just tear it up. First and foremost, I'm not even going to discredit Jacksonville. Duval came strong and Duval won at the end of the day. The Jags came to town in cold, rainy, miserable playing conditions. And Trevor Lawrence looked phenomenal. Not just good. He looked phenomenal. And against a Jets defense on top of that, let's sit down and actually think about this for a second. The the Jets offensively are just a complete disaster. And I think that's a unanimous agreement amongst anybody that's a Jet fan, non-Jet fan, or in between. Um, But most importantly, Trevor Lawrence did not turn the ball over that game. And that is something that hasn't happened in a while. I don't know the exact stat, but normally the New York Jets are ball hawking out there, uh, whether it be Sauce Gardner or or any of the other animals there on defense. Um, But Trevor Lawrence played a great game, and uh, the the running backs came in and held it down. Travis Etienne, you know, he had twenty two carries for eighty three yards. Evan Ingram led the charge with seven receptions and one hundred and thirteen yards. And I think this is more of like a I don't want to say a coming out game for Evan Ingram, but this is a redemption game. He bet on himself. He put himself on that. Well, he didn't put himself, but he took that one-year contract with Jacksonville to make me or break me. And I, I think it makes him. And I think that he stays in Jacksonville. And I think that he will flourish in Jacksonville's offense because Jacksonville, uh, they're they're in a rebuild mode. But I think... Uh, I, I, I think that they're at a point where that rebuild mode could, could really put them into the first place in their division. And first and foremost, their division is as god-awful as the NFC South. So, I mean, like, let's just, you know, let's just not even try to play like they're, you know, playing great teams. But I think this is a huge stepping stone for them. Now, on the other side of the ball, I think that we saw the very last game that Zach Wilson will start as a New York jet. And honestly, I think it's the last game that we see Zach Wilson start in the NFL period. Um, His attitude, the way that he carries himself, it's, it's just, it's unprofessional. It's not conducive to the team. The locker room has no respect for him at all whatsoever. Uh, the players do not have respect for him whatsoever, and at this point, I even think Robert Sala, as a coach, has finally just said enough is enough. What as a head coach, if you got the crowd screaming, in this case, you know I guess we're gonna to have to put a uh, an explicit warning on this episode. When you got the crowd screaming "fuck Zach Wilson," and you can hear it on 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 the broadcast, you can only imagine how loud it is on the. You got the crowd wanting this guy's head. You got him just making piss four plays through three quarters. And then all of a sudden, Chris Striebler comes in and puts up as many yards as him almost in running, or excuse me, in passing. He threw for 90 yards in a little over a quarter. And then on top of that, he had the most rushing yards with 54. The Jets' offense looked dis- dismal, dismal against a Jacksonville defense. It's not that great. They're not a great defense. Are they good? Yes. Are they great? No, there's no way that they should have a quarterback with less than a hundred yards. And the fact, and you could just see the effort, I think also on the offensive line that when Schrievler came in, it just, it showed a different side of them. It's almost like, uh, and I think you've seen this movie probably on more than one occasion. Um, Uh, The Longest Yard?
0: Yep, I'm familiar with that. uh,
1: With Adam Sandler and Nelly and and Stone Cold and all of them. If you remember the scene when Adam Sandler's character was kind of just saying, you know, what the hell with this? I don't care. That offensive line was just letting people crush him. He finally got a little fire, and that offensive line started playing for him. And I think that's what happened with Chris Striebler, uh, is that he... He ignited a fire that he knew coming in. He knew when he was getting that first snap, the Jets weren't going to win that game. He knew that. But he played like he wanted to win from the first snap till the last four seconds on the clock. And I, and I commend him for that. And I, I think that, again, we have a business decision to make in, in the New York Jets organization. What do we do at quarterback? So let's just say we've got, what, three? Yeah, we got, what, two games left in the season? Uh, correct, yes. Yeah, so we got two games left in the season. Mike White's going to get the start for both of these. So as a New York Jets, what do you do next season? Mike White's going to be a free agent. Do you sign him? Do you give him some type of contract? How big of a contract, if so? Or do you start shopping the market? You've got two quarterbacks that are going to need home, one being Lamar Jackson. I think that's a unanimous decision that we can agree on. That I don't think Lamar Jackson will be a Baltimore even next season. I think that – the way that they've treated him and then not sign him. And then on top of that, get rid of 99% of his health. I think that Lamar Jackson wants out of of the Baltimore organization. And then the other quarterback, and this is the one that I really, really truly feel we might see wearing the the gang green is Jimmy Garoppolo. They're in a situation now. He was on on a limited deal. They've got Trey Lance, which will be better. They've got Brock Purdy, which is definitely a very capable quarterback, which we found out over the past couple weeks. And uh, so what happens to Jimmy G? You have two coaches on the Jets organization who came from San Francisco that know Jimmy G that are essentially trying to run San Francisco's successful offense on the East Coast. What do you do at that point? Do you spend the money and buy an aged Jimmy G to maybe build Mike White up? You assign Mike White and just try to give him the reins and hope for the best. I mean, it's 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 a weird decision there um, that that the Jets are, are going to have to make, and there and I think there's a few teams like that that are out there. Um, some of the other you know good games definitely the Chicago and Buffalo game uh, that was that was a solid. I think that game went the way it uh, it should have. Um, the Cowboys and Eagles. That you know, as much as I cannot stand the Cowboys, and, and I and I speak for probably eighty-five percent of America when I say this. But it, it's hard to discredit them now. They they came, they saw, they conquered. So if you look at Dallas's resume, and, and this is the thing that really is shocking, is that you, you look on on how they've played. Number one. uh, they beat most important. They barely lost the Eagles earlier in the season, so that was the time. Twenty six, I think it was twenty six seventeen. It was uh, uh, on October sixteenth. They they barely lost them. They came in November before Thanksgiving and outright destroyed the Minnesota Vikings forty to three. That's a very credible win in my book in Minnesota against arguably one of the best. They follow up a couple days later and then they, they squeak a win on the cow on the on the New York Giants, and the New York Giants are not a slot program. Let's, let's not act like they're they're the, the New York Giants from a couple seasons ago. Uh, and then you know they come back and then they beat the uh, the Eagles again. I mean, they've got some very credible wins on their record. Then next week they go play in Tennessee against the Titans, and then they finish off the season with a to Commanders, which, again, the Commanders are another team. They're not, you know, completely garbage, dumpster buyers either. So uh, Dak Prescott was making his throws. He was making his reads, And he was playing, uh, and it, I would say he's playing a more than usual intelligent level of football that I think we've seen in previous games. But the trick is, is LaVarius let's look at the stats and we talk about this all the time. His magic number, if he is under 50 pass attempts, the Cowboys do well. 15 or 50 pass attempts. He was, a, he went 27 for 35, 347 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick, which is not bad numbers. It was definitely more of an air raid offense. Rushing yard was, was really wasn't there. Ezekiel Elliott had 55 yards, and then Zach Prescott was on a strong second with 41 yards. Uh, and then, of course, receiving, you know, CD Lamb raked in two TDs on 120 yards, Tony Pollard with 61, uh, and then Michael Gallup got that third touchdown off of uh, 36 yards. You know, so as much as I hate saying I, I think Dallas is a very playoff contention team. If they don't follow the trend that they always follow and, and choke at the last minute, I think that we're going to see some, some great football in the postseason for them. Uh, the 49ers and Commanders game, I think that game went as, as well as we thought it would uh, for the 49ers. You know, Brock Purdy, you know, another win, 234 yards, two TDs and a pick. Um, He definitely did his job and he did it incredibly well. You know, Christian McCaffrey didn't have as good of a game. Uh, George Kittle came out 120 yards and two TDs. I mean, he definitely had had another monster game, two in a row uh, for Kittle there. And then, you know, the other game that I really wanted to talk about, and I think that in in the state of Minnesota, and Ladarius, maybe you should look up the stats on this. In the state of Minnesota, I would like to know the rate of cardiac-related incidents for minnesota viking fans in the state of minnesota because some of these games i'm not even like a diehard vikings fan but i find myself rooting for them more times than not and these people stress my ass out man uh that game this week against uh the the new york giants i mean it came down to the wire and it definitely hats off uh you know to Graham Ganell or excuse me, not Graham you know He's he's a, the Giants kicker. Uh, to to Greg Joseph, he booted a sixty-one yard long game-winning field goal. I mean, Cinderella story type type deal here, and you just you just can't ask a better situation for. It. And then most importantly, here here comes Kirk Cousins again. You know. 299 yards and three touchdowns. And a couple of them came at the, at the final bell. And then the man is just an animal, you know, I mean, TJ Hoganson is having himself just a a completely career revival in, in the Minnesota Vikings organization, Justin Jefferson, of course, another hundred yard plus game with a touchdown. I mean, that, that, that kid's an animal as well, you know, so now you've got the Minnesota Vikings sitting at 12 and three and, you just, you just got to sit back and just ask yourself, like, do, do they have enough to get in? They, they've already clinched their division, so that no matter what, they could lose the rest of the season and not care. They've clinched their division. The 49ers have clinched their division. Um, and then between the Cowboys and the Eagles, they got a two-game split that can go either way. And I'm, I'm pretty curious to see how that's going to work itself out. Uh, and then the, the the last seed in the uh, in the NFC is gonna be who, whatever dumpster fire can win uh, in the NFC South. And the scary thing is you've got a Tampa Bay team that's seven and eight, and then you've got the Panthers and the Saints at six and nine. What happened? To, could, could somehow the Panthers squeak into the playoffs when they fired their head coach they got rid of Baker Mayfield. They traded away Christian McCaffrey. They traded away Robbie. I mean, they essentially just got rid of the house. Uh, you got DJ Moore now. That's 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 all that's left essentially. And they're in a in a situation where they can actually win their division. They're a game behind, and they can actually win their division. Um, so that's going to be an interesting situation there. And then last but not least, uh, you know, the, to wrap up the, the Tampa Bay-Arizona game, Tom Brady, he's he's struggling. Um, he's struggling. I don't know where, uh, where this is going to go with him, but he's going to have to figure something out. If he makes the playoffs, it's going to be a quick annihilation and a very quick loss to get him in and out. Um, he only threw one TD. And this time of the year, Tom Brady's usually firing on, on all cylinders and then somehow finding an extra extra set of cylinders to, to get that extra power out of. But, you know, Leonard Fournette had himself a great game nine receptions for 90 yards. And then he also had 20 carries for 72 yards. He didn't see the end zone, but he definitely did get a lot of looks on it. Uh, Rashad White was the lone touchdown receiver. Outside of that, it was just a very bland field goal game. It definitely wasn't one of the more exciting Sunday night games that I think I've seen, but Yeah, it is what it is. And then of course the 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 final game the Chargers and Colts on Monday was kind of the, the nail in the coffin there uh, The Chargers had a stellar performance. Of course the Colts are still in their in their tailspin to kind of see where they're going with that I know there are some games that you wanted to highlight and some uh, and some coaching Regime changes that are, are been put to the act. So I know you want to take over. So I will, as they say in the Senate, I will yield to my time.
0: Thank you. Yeah. You know, it, it's always great to have, you know, yeah. to teach people about civics. while also talk about football. This, who says this show is not educational? I mean, what have what haven't we covered in 2022? You know, sports and pop. Yeah. You know, we, we, we covered the gamut here, but I'll say that spiel for later. But I want to actually start and talk about your Jets first. Because, as you know, I love talking about quarterbacks. And on Twitter, you know, at underscore Brown, someone posed the question, you know, what I think happened. And I think what happened, Chris, is and when you lose the locker room, there's no getting them back. And in the case of Zach Wilson, what happened is we always can pinpoint the moment where you knew someone's time was up in terms of whether it's the career or whether that, they, okay, they're not going to be the same person they are is simply put after that Patriots game, that 10 to three loss. And he was simply asked, does he feel any responsible for, and he said, no. And, and if you're the Jets, I mean, Garoppolo's an option, Mike White, I think you kind of bring back, but I also throw in another option. And I also throw an option of Derek Carr. And now am I saying Derek Carr is the best of all the options? Yeah. But here's the thing. I feel that you're the Jets. The question is it's 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 a it's, it's essentially a two, maybe three part question. A what do you do? Do you outright cut Zach Wilson? Because I don't think there's a trademark for. Him. So it's kind of like the Baker Mayfield situation with Cleveland. Where there's no trade market, and in until you have to wait, probably until when Baker was traded, and probably didn't get as much as they expected. So, do you hold out, and maybe maybe someone takes a flyer right on Zach Wilson this off season. Do you cut him? I think you bring in Mike White. I think the question is, if you're Robert Sala, I think to your point, I think Garoppolo makes a lot of sense because. Mike LaFleur is the offensive coordinator, and he worked on the the 49ers staff along with with Sala. So they know know who Jimmy G is. And especially for the quarterback position, it's always important to have familiarity, to know what you're bringing in. So they know who Jimmy G is. So it's not like they have to teach him a whole new playbook. because It's essentially the 49ers playbook. And I also think moving forward, I think a healthy Brees Hall helps. I, I think the pieces are there in the off season, It's just figuring out the quarterback position. I think that's the Jets' problem. What we saw and what you saw with Mike White was a business decision. I think, to you know, for for Zach Wilson the fall from grace. Like we we there was high and I can't I'm not a Jets fan, but what I will say is that there was optimism going into his second season that maybe he could do something. Maybe there was a possibility that he could kind of take that leap. Like we've seen a couple of quarterbacks in the near, near second season, and we just hadn't seen it. So I I understand if you're a Jets fan right now, it's it's, a, it's upsetting. Because when Chris Schriegler, a guy you probably – people had to Google who he was, came in and ran that offense like it was absolutely not – you know, just simple quarterback runs It's like you've never something you would do in Madden. Like okay, for you know, third and fifteen, we're gonna run the ball. Or you know, if it, it, it felt like, I think this, I think he lost the locker room, Zach Wilson. And I think he's done. And and shipping gears and talking about Lamar Jackson, I was I was recently on a Ravens podcast. Um, lovely people there had me on the on the show, and they talked about Lamar Jackson. And to me, it feels as though, and maybe that's the vibe I picked up on the show because they talked about I think maybe Ravens fans are kind of almost done with lamar and and it felt weird being a Falcons fan having to defend. And as I said on the show, I said, people, you have to remind people, Chris, that Lamar Jackson was an MVP in this league. It, it's amazing. you have to remind people that, you know, you know, the year after Mahomes won, all Lamar Jackson was the MVP. The problem is, is that with Lamar, it's, it's staying healthy. And the postseason now, when it comes to the money or the country situation, that's what I feel, Chris, maybe puts a wrinkle in a potential trade or, or him just moving on. Is because now if the Ravens won't give him the money, what and we're not talking, you know, just oh, oh, here's the money, we're talking guaranteed money, Chris. We're talking, and I said on the show, the market was set by Deshaun Watson, you know, we're getting 230 million guaranteed. And while on the show, a point was made that other quarterbacks t- took deals after that, but my point was Lamar Jackson sees himself at a Deshaun Watson level in terms of the money. And in Lamar Jackson's mind, how does the guy get 230 million dollars who didn't play a snap all of last year but walks in the door and gets 230 million. So I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is not right or wrong, but what here's another thing, Chris, he represents himself. He has his mother and then he, in the NFLPA, he doesn't have an agent. So that's what makes it even trickier is that he's not talking to like a Drew Rosenhaus. He's, you know, you you have to kind of go through Lamar, his mother, and the NFLPA, who's advised him not to take certain deals. And, and the Ravens, and like I said on the show, and I'll say it here, it is that everybody has a price. Everybody has a limit of how far you're willing to spend. Like, if you go to Vegas or you go anywhere else, you want to spend money, you try to cap yourself on how much you're willing to spend. Like, I won't go over this amount. Sometimes we're great at it. Sometimes we're not. But when it comes to NFL teams, Chris, the salary cap is uber important because how much of your cap are you willing to dedicate to your quarterback and without hindering your future? And that's why I say if you look at the deal Patrick Mahomes got for Kansas City, Chris, it's a beautiful deal because it does not hinder the Chiefs long term. And so maybe in the short, okay, you lose to Tyree Hill, but Chris, the Chiefs look still look like a Super Bowl contender without Tyree Hill. And maybe that's just because how good Mahomes is and how good Andy Reid is. And they're able to get Kadarius Toney, a guy who was essentially great off for the Giants, has more touchdowns than this season in and, and the time he's been with the Chiefs in his whole career. So they can get guys off the street. I'm not trying to minim- minimize the position. But the point is circling back to Lamar Jackson. To me, it's interesting, Chris, because if you're the Jets, I think we talked about this on a previous episode, I believe. We talked about what the market would be potentially for getting Lamar. And I think we we talked about a couple of ones, maybe twos, and maybe just like some late round picks just to kind of balance it out with the trade scale and all of that. But the question becomes, if Lamar hit the open market, there's going to be a team that's going to pay and and the question becomes for Lamar Jackson will he come down on his price and I'm not saying he should or shouldn't because listen and like and people and like I said on on the on the podcast on that Raven's podcast which is a very good podcast I simply you know I said well that's the market because Lamar Jackson wants all of it guaranteed and am I saying he's wrong? No, because he understands football is is, is a shelf life. Okay, you're not going to play this game forever. And when people say, oh, well, you know, Tom I'm like, listen, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Okay, Tom Brady can do it because Tom Brady's on commercials. He's hosting SNL. Tom Brady can, he makes money. He, he's kind of like Michael Jordan. If you go look back at Michael Jordan's contracts, Michael Jordan was really the highest paid player in the NBA during the 90s you know, on a AAV scale. He was never the highest paid player. Why? Because he made, he was an endorsement guy. So Lamar's like, well, how can I make my money now in my career without shorting myself? And it's a fair point. And that's why I tell people go get the money if if it's there. So, and then kind of going back around the horn, sticking with quarterbacks, like watching Tom Brady play on, you know, Christmas it was hard to watch. And I'm not saying because of a Falcons fan. I'm saying it because and it kind of, and it, it'll transition into the coaching. It's a, it's you know what I will say is this, Chris, social media is a very fascinating place where you have a certain section of people. Okay, you want to fire Todd Bowles. I'm not gonna necessarily disagree, I'm not gonna push back on people when they say that. But when you talk about O'Brien Lif which has to go, I'm like, stop this was the same uh Byron Lefwich who people would talk about as a head coaching he candidate so we're basing one year uh on a down year where oh Byron leverage is trash and I think that's ridiculous to me Chris the problem has always been and it will forever be listen Tom Brady is human okay we can we can blame injuries we can blame coaching but the reality is Chris, the NFC South, and I think people have been waiting for me to say that the NFC South is absolute Chiefs all right? You ain't got to tell me my team plays in it. You ain't got to tell me it's cheeks. okay? It's, it's, it's a non-power – if it was college football, it's kind of like a, – it's a non-Power 5 conference division, all right? So, because for God's sake, if I told you, Chris, back all the way at the start of the season, if I told you that the – the Buccaneers and Panthers game in week 17 would decide the, the NFC South. You just said, I'm silly. You just said, I'm nuts. But essentially, that's what it is. The winner of that game pretty much is going to win the NFC South. So, and even as bad as Tampa Bay has been all season, you know, listen, I'll tell you this, Chris. I'll give you a quick question. If the season were to end today, and the Bucs would obviously be the four c because they're do you know who they would play in the playoffs in the first round? And you mentioned them earlier. So It'd be the Vikings, right? The Cowboys. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, and, and good luck with that. And, and Minnesota will have the easier route playing Washington if the, if the playoffs were in today. So, like to your point it's, it it could be one and done for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and speaking of, of one and done Nathaniel Hackett for the Broncos and folks listen people think i'm very hard on certain people and certain. for god's sakes, listen people i was hard on Kirk Cousins and i've said this before but when i got hard well when, when, when i got when i went all in on Kirk Cousins did he not play better yes he did so i'm not saying you know Vikings fans thank me a little, but you're welcome. It's it's like that song from Moana with you know, like what can I say? hey, you're welcome. All right. You you're welcome. Because when I go after certain people, Chris, it's not just out of animosity. It's because I knew Kirk Cousins could be good. Maybe not in the elite level of quarterbacks, but I knew he was in like that second tier. I knew he was that good. And, and, I don't know. I you
1: know, I'm, I'm starting sure to think he could I think he could start climbing into that elite tier.
0: Well, well, here's what's stopping him, Chris. If the man can play when the lights are off, we can have a different conversation. It, it, so, you know, it, it, if the if the lights, it, listen, if the night light is on, you're like, oh crap. If there's sunshine, like how we're in, the, you know, how we're here in Florida, if there's sunshine, I, give me Kirk Cousins every day of the week. If you're telling me, and if it's at, if it's at. If you're telling me the games that after eight o'clock, no, I'm good. I'm good, and I think you're right. He's inching himself there, but he's still on that in that kind of in that tier, that second bordering first tier. But to to circle the wagons back to talk about coaching, like Nathaniel Hackett, folks, listen. I tried to tell you guys back in week one, and we can and people are like oh, well, Darius, like oh, he's a first year coach. Well, listen. The job had expectations because they had Russell Wilson. I was told, Chris, I got—I I was told that the Broncos were a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl team. That's what I was told. And, and on paper, you look at the offense with Judy and Cortland Sutton, and even like the emergence—the the emergence of Greg Dulcich. Like this offense is pretty good. The defense was a top five, ten defense. This, and they're playing in the AFC West. You, I don't know with the Chiefs and the you know and the Raiders and I, I get that in the Chargers. But they were expected to be good. But here's the thing, Chris. 4, four, four and eleven is not gonna cut it. No. And, and, and the reality is, I, I told people back when they played Seattle in week one, all that time ran off the clock and nobody called a timeout. That's on coaching. People are like, oh well, Russ, no, 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 no. That's coaching.
1: Yeah, at the other day.
0: Yeah, who's to say that Russell, even though he's the veteran, he looked at his coach, and his coach didn't call a timeout. He didn't want, he didn't want to usurp his coach his, uh, in his first year at his first head coaching job. And and, and people are like, oh, well, yeah, no, I, I get that. But as the season progressed, and then watching on Nickelodeon, it felt appropriate that that game was on Nickelodeon to see Russell Wilson on, on Nickelodeon, because my goodness, he's – it was a Nickelodeon-worthy game, is what I will say. I didn't even watch the broadcast. I I, I didn't watch the CB, I watched the Nickelodeon broadcast, and it was great to watch. And Patrick Starr is a commentator. You know, I can go on. I mean, you can put him in the booth in Monday Night Football. I don't know. Maybe a little bit watchable. But anyway. But the point is, going back to Nathaniel Hackett. So now the question becomes, Chris, where do you go? What direction do you go? And I people are like, oh, well, Sean Penn, Sean Payne's not taking that job. Sean, and I'm here to tell people this: Sean Payton's not taking the Panthers' job, and he's definitely not taking the Broncos' job. Because you want to know why? If if he had to take a job, he would take the Panthers' job for two reasons: a familiarity, and b the chance to bring in his own quarterback. See, in Denver, you're stuck with Russell Wilson. You can't move on from Russell Wilson. because listen, that's a lot of expensive, great value you're getting there in Russell Wilson. All right, and I put this on I put this on Twitter. Like uh, Chris, I knew the Walmart has a lot of turnover, but this is ridiculous. Like you're 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 stuck with Russell Wilson for the next, I think, five years, and he's going to be pushing forty. Yeah, dan- and, and I still will not eat a Danger Russ sandwich. I haven't been in Subway since I heard about the whole tuna situation. That's how long I haven't been in Subway. When you all oh, the tuna, tuna fake? No, I'm out. Just like on Shark Tank, and for that reason, I am out. So for Denver. Where do you go from as a franchise? Because now, Chris, nobody expected it to be four and 11 in this position. Nobody, like, no one's maybe expected him to, to, to be 11 and four, but to be four and 11, and as bad as the Raiders have been all season, they're above you. That says a lot. And I think what the I think losing 51 to 14. I think, that was, I think Hackett knew he was done in Denver. And when you look around the league at other coaches, I think Cliff Kingsbury could be getting that phone call after the season. I could argue that maybe Dennis Allen from New Orleans could be getting that call very soon. And in the name, and like I said, going back to Tampa Bay, it, it's hard for me because I really like Todd Bowles, Chris. I really do. We talk about it on the show, but
1: I think he's got to go. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm a, I'm a huge Bulls fan.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's, it's it, you. It's how can I phrase this? You can see the difference, and people and people are like, oh well, well, there's yeah. But at the end of the day, I can't be a I can't be a hypocrite and say, well, well, I like you know, and say, well, oh well, it's all one person's fault. Because that's not the nature of who I am when I watched Todd Bowles and a lot of the coaching and a lot of Christy, and some of the play calling was very, was very interesting for a team that, you know, has never been great at running the football. They did relatively well, but when you're, listen, on certain downs, it's passing down on a certain situation. Yeah, that, it's, it's coaching 101. And I think you want to kind of throw the defense off by running the ball, like on, you know, first and 15. Yeah, I get that. But I think what's causing fans is like, the Arizona Cardinals, who were playing, who was starting a third-string quarterback in Trace McSorley, you got taken to take over, you let them take you to overtime, and I think it's one thing, Chris, if you were facing a, another team of you know, it is not ping on the Cardinals, but I think a lot of teams are upset at their fan bases because, and for good reason, you want to be better. But the fact of the matter is, is simply this, Chris. I look at that situation in Tampa Bay. You don't know if Tom Brady's gonna be there next year. And if you have and trust me, Chris, if there's no Tom Brady, then you're either stuck with you're stuck with Blaine Gabbard and Kyle Trask. And once again, the reason why I believe Kyle Trask was drafted in the first place was to be Brady's heir. So, and people are like, oh well, he got a second round great. I'm like, people, let's. Okay. He was drafted to be Brady's heir and listen, and you still got Blaine Gabbard, who 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 was absolutely – I'm going to say he was cheeks for the Jaguars. He was he was three-fourths cheeks. Like there, there was a, there, he had some moments of he had some flashes in Jacksonville. But look how long it took them to get an actual quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. That's why it's up. Listen. You can get a lot of positions wrong Chris in the draft, but the one you cannot get wrong is quarterback. Jacksonville, after they got Blaine Gabbard, they tried it with Nick Foles. Didn't work. They've had guys on it like Chad Hinton, like I don't even get to the name of Jesus. Like Blake Bortles wasn't terrible. I tell people Blake Bortles took this team to the AFC Championship game. It still makes me chuckle every time I think about that. But anyway, but to, to finish up my roundabout here, Chris, And I'll I'll end on my falcon since I I didn't do great in fantasy. So I got to talk about something that's important to me. So I won't have much to say in the fantasy part of the show. (sighs) About Desmond Ritter. I tell people this. It's amazing to me where I understand he was drafted in the third round. And I understand where, okay, well, you know, oh, can he be the guy? And I, and listen, listen. Twitter. Uh, once again, I get I get into these conversations on Twitter. So, it's amazing to me when we have these conversations about quarterbacks, because what I will say is simply this: Do we know that Desmond Ritter is the guy? I don't know. But I it, it makes it difficult when we're, we're we're essentially basing it on two games and he has two other games. So he he'll have four games on tape, on film, for Arthur Smith and Offensive Coordinator Dave Ragone, and for this organization to, to look at to kind of figure out what direction we want to go. And and I understand the probability of Desmond Ritter being a superstar quarterback may be minimal, but if Desmond Ritter can be a top 15 guy in this league, or you know top 10, you know it's amazing to me that hey, if he can be that type of quarterback, if he can fit in that type of range, I think the only issue that hey, you don't have to pay him the money now. Is that maybe my 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 best guess? My best situation, ideal situation, would be if he plays well, and and you can't measure. And I, when it comes to young quarterbacks, especially rookie, more specifically rookie quarterbacks, as opposed to maybe second, third year guys. You know, at that point, then you kind of start looking at you know the record of the team. But as a rookie quarterback, I'm looking to see. I don't care if they win or lose, but I want to see if they're competent enough to run an offense. Because when you're a quarterback in this league, you're you're the CEO of the team. You're you're the face of the franchise. So they have to get it right. And what's amazing to me is that the narrative that I'm, I'm hearing is that oh, we got to write on Desmond Ritter. Give him a shot. Listen, if Desmond Ritter is not the guy, it won't be because he didn't get a shot. And to get him four games. In the season where the you kept Mariota in as the start because you felt like, hey, we have a shot to win this division. Now you were eliminated as a losing to the Ravens over the weekend, over last weekend. So now you're kind of like, well, we just got to see what he can do. Because in a and I've said this ad nauseum on this show about the 2023 draft class. So you have to see what Desmond Ritter can do. You have to see the potential that he has because you you have to get the core because post Matt Ryan was handled a complete disaster. Am I saying Matt Ryan in Atlanta would have been better than Matt Ryan in Indianapolis? I'm not, I'm not going to say one way or the other, because guess what? I'm not Nostradamus. I wouldn't know. But before I put a, before I put a bow on on my rant here, this is just an overall. This is an overall statement. When you assess quarterbacks, because you look at the league now, the Jets are going to have questions, the Falcons have questions, the Raiders are going to have questions, and you have to get it right. I can't stress it enough. Because look, look how long it took for Jacksonville to get. I took it. Well, can you, the last, I tell people, the last franchise quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, do you say it was Blake Bortles, and I said, I go, I I, I I push people back. I could argue Byron Lefwich was the last franchise quarterback that the Jaguars had. People are like, oh, Blake Bortles took, but folks, don't, don't we're, we're not going to do that today on the holiday season. We're not, we're not going to do that. I'm not saying Blake Bortles was absolute cheeks. I'm not saying that, but, there's a reason why they moved on from Blake Quarles. So, so I'm like, oh, he's a franchise guy. Well, franchise guys don't get, you know, cheeks clapped and out the door. Like, let, 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 let's just put that out there. Blake Quarles was a quarterback from the neck down, not the neck up. All right. Period. And I just tell, and I tell these franchises, we, I think, I'll say this, Chris, if I turn it over to you. I, I talked way too long. And I want to steal your thunder. But what I will say is this I think. I don't think you want my
1: thunder. (laughs) You already know (laughs) who to comes.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. I think so many of these franchises picked up what Justin Herbert did in his first season and set that as the standard, which is absolutely unfair because Justin Herbert is just, he's on another level. So every any rookie quarterback is expected to kind of have a Justin Herbert, like here, but Justin Herbert walked in the door. And once again, this does not mitigate his talent that he has. It does not mitigate the talent that he has. But he walked in the door with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, and a pretty in a pretty solid offense. Are like, oh, well, there like once again, I'm not saying that he's terrible but understand what he walked in the door with. And yet in the fact that he's still doing it, that validates it. All right. It's amazing to me when I talk about quarterbacks with people, I get, I get, we want to write off Ritter after two games. We we want to put, we want to put crowns on like Brock Purdy, like Brock Purdy could end up being a very in the mix for 2023 because listen, if Trey Lance, I'm assuming, went healthy next season, he'll be the quarterback for the 49ers. But then if, Brock, if Brock Purdy, think about this, folks, and, and, and I'll turn over the mic. If Brock Purdy leads the 49ers to the NFC Championship game, what's the narrative going to be for John Lynch and for Kyle Shanahan? Because you, knew who, you know who else also led this team to the NFC Championship game? Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm like, oh, well, there's, well, you know what? Take it a step further. What we'll did Brock Purdy lead to the Super Bowl? We'll take, it, we'll take it a step further. Then what's the narrative going to be in San Francisco? That, to me, is going to be the toughest decision of any franchise if that happens. If Brock Purdy leads this team to the playoffs and they get to the Super Bowl, Jimmy G ain't having a job. Because you know what? I've always said this. Listen, some teams are thrive and systems, Kyle Shanahan could plug me and Chris possibly into the 49ers system, and and, and will be decent because it's a it's a system. But for years, like when people thought the same thing for for Brady and Belichick, and and some of that was half system and half Brady was pretty good, so there is that difference. So speaking of difference, I have so much more to say. Follow me on Twitter, editors underscore You want to hear more of me rant about sports. And, and, and other things, you know, pop culture. I'm, I watch a lot of Netflix now. I'm watching Amazon Pro. I'm watching a lot of stuff. Now. I'm starting. I, I, I made goals for myself that will that will carry to 2023. But speaking of all of that, before the show, I'm a man, and I like to think that I'm a fair and just person. Now, I wasn't going to initially do this because a I was personally affected by the man who's going to talk next. I was personally impacted. It's like, it's like that scene in Mean Girls. Were you personally harmed by Regina George? My hand went up. If if the answer was Chris, were you personally affected by Regina George, AKA Chris? Yes, I was.
1: Are you entitled to financial compensation?
0: Yes. If so, call, call me J and J and J law firm. So Morgan and Morgan for the people you'll get your money, but But with that being said, one of us on the show has thrived in fantasy this year. And one of us was a – one of us – see, for the record, when I won – I think when I won the league last year, I was never given a crown, which which I need to talk to some people about. I didn't complain. I didn't get upset. But I'm like, listen, I know I have an afro, but you guys could just ask me for my head measurement, and I would make sure you get the right size. But I'll give this time – to to Chris to talk fantasy whatever whatever he talks about. And and, and he's gonna give a speech, so I'm putting it full discretion. If you don't want to hear the speech, you can fast forward to the end of the show. But get give the speech a shot and just see what he has to say. So I I yield my time back to Senator Chris for, for whatever the hell is gonna happen next
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know and I'm
1: uh, so it was it was it was fun um, this this year I think there was a lot of ups and downs in fantasy a lot of players that were supposed to make it and did it, and a lot of players that were supposed to break it and thrived Uh you know, like what we talked about earlier, I, I think going into this season, I think probably in most fantasy leagues in our dynasty format where you're where you're redrafting a team every year. I bet probably one of the most sought after players I think this season was Russell Wilson. And I yeah, think I that Russell Wilson was by far the biggest bust this season um, than than anybody. And then on the other side of that coin, I think you have players that you, you you drafted them to maybe, if you're in a dynasty league, tuck them away on your taxi squad for a year or two, that you ended up using this season. And they actually had some God-given positive yards. The Brees Halls, the Garrett Wilsons, the Damian Pearces, um, guys that really came out and showed themselves, or, or men that came out and really produced good numbers, like a Trevor Lawrence really kind of coming into his own, his own rights. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it was circumstantial. You had guys battling injuries as a quarterback that would translate to failures on uh, running backs and wideouts, And, you know, it's, it's just that avalanche. And, um, you know, one, one of the things that I, I always try when I do my, my start and sit them is not only, Okay. Or, put put Josh Allen in. Okay, why? And then I try to explain that okay, you know, Allen is going to be playing the twenty eighth ranked passive defense. You know, you got a bottom four team that's gonna crush somebody. Um, you know, things like that. So I, I, I think with the culmination of those things, a little bit of luck and uh and just kind of a mix of everything. I think that's how uh how I ended up winning the uh, the main league our dynasty league and then being able to uh, put the final nail in Ladarius's coffin and in, and in, uh, in the other Yahoo league that we're in and I, and I think that the, the the if you guys can see the look I'm getting if looks could kill I would have been dead an hour ago uh, <laughs> this man's just shaking his head here but now it, you know it's one of those things that you can have a great season last year and then come back and, and this year just isn't your favor you know Ladarius and I actually exchanged uh, places, uh, in, in our main, in our dynasty league is that last year I finished 10th or 11th overall bottom barrel. I just couldn't string anything together to save my life. And Ladarius came in to kick ass and chew bubblegum and he was out of bubblegum last season. So there was just a lot of ass kicking. And then this season, you know, you, you wind back, you know, 16, i us say 14 weeks ago, I was off to an 0-2 start ready to sell my And I talked to Ladarius, like, I might start selling my team off just to get draft picks, see if I can just try to get some rookies or something. And, uh, you know, a little bit of homework, a little bit of luck, and a little bit of uh, due diligence, and that's how you get yourself a trophy. Uh, same thing in Yahoo. I think it was just circumstantial, and I had some good matchups on some good weeks. And uh, I took my own advice, as all of you should, except if you play me, then I want you to do the exact opposite. So I win. Um, but it was fun. You know, the, the cool part is, is yes, I did win a trophy. The bad part is, is now, I now have to wait officially 241 days for our league to restart. I went ahead and pulled a stat on that. So we're at, we're at 241 days. until we get to do this all over again. So it's going to be a long 241 days, but it was fun nonetheless. Uh, however, if you have some psychopaths like me that manage leagues, there's still one more week left in the shenanigans. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and hit the week 17 starting and them for fantasy football here. Um, so for you guys, this is going to be your championship round. This is going to be your your main event. Bruce Buffer is already out announcing the weigh-ins. And uh, so we'll go ahead and run it from quarterback to tight end and uh, kind of cover everything in between. So, naturally, your must-starters uh, for Week 17, your Justin Fields, or Joe Burrows, or Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, et cetera. Um, if you know them, do them. Uh, your stronger starts, number one, is going to be Justin Herbert, uh, who we just talked about in the Los Angeles Chargers against the L.A. Rams. Um, this is now two games in a row that Herbert has gone without getting a TD pass. Uh, so, I think, A, he's long overdue, and I think he's going to get multiple TD passes against a completely failed Rams defense. And I think he's going to have a, a very successful game. Um, Jared Goff from the Detroit Lions going against the Chicago Bears. Goff is back at home, and he's this is going to be a high-scoring affair. Both teams have mediocre defenses, so this is just going to turn into a good old-fashioned shootout. Um, depending on the situation of the game, if uh, they decide to sit Jalen Hurts again as a, as a preventative measure, um, I would look at Gardner Minshew. Uh, as, as a very strong start, and he will deliver another multi-digit game at home against a weak New Orleans Saints defense. Um, even if they play Jalen Hurts, you definitely expect him to have a great game. But if they do start to argument, you, I would, if you have him, pluck him and he will do you well. Uh, Tom Brady from the Bucks, even though he's been struggling, uh, I think that this is going to be a game that he's going to play extra hard in. Um, this is a division. If, if he wins this, this is essentially what we'll, we'll make sure that they stay as the division winners of the NFC South. Um, and I think that he's going to have a big game. I, I see him going over 250 yards with multiple touchdowns. Um, Brock Purdy from the uh, San Francisco 49ers going against the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I think it's just, just going to be a very, very fan-friendly road game matchup. San Fran's not terribly far from, from both teams at bases. and I think that especially with the revitalization of Brock Purdy coming, coming to town, I think he's going to bring a lot and he's going to have another two touchdown plus game. Um, I think that Mike White, he's going to be a very strong start, even though this is a tricky game on the road in Seattle. Uh, I think that Mike White is going to be able to exploit Seattle's weak defense and be able just to shred their secondary. So definitely expect him to do well. Some of your DFS, FanDuel, DraftKings. Uh, some some easy pickups you're gonna be able to pick up for about eight thousand or less. Justin Fields, Jared Goff, and Mac Jones all have favorable matchups. Uh, if you're if you're in need of a streaming quarterback situation, maybe yours is hurt, it just isn't playing well, and you still got some money to spend. Look at that. Uh, some of your weaker quarterback stars. So on the opposite side of the Jets and Seahawks game is Geno Smith. This is a revenge game narrative, but the unfortunate thing is is that you've got. Uh, Seahawks not playing at full potential, and the New York Jets passing defense is just absolutely brutal. So expect Geno Smith to be contained. Uh, Daniel Jones from the New York Giants going against the Colts. The Colts have really developed this this incredibly odd pass defense that just doesn't give up a lot to rushing quarterbacks. So expect Daniel Jones to get contained, and he's going to have to really earn his yards. Uh, Derek Carr going against the 49ers. Uh, he was god-awful in Pittsburgh, and I don't expect anything better coming out of this game. And then, unlike Pittsburgh, San Francisco actually has a really good defense, so expect things to go from bad to worse for for uh, the, the Derek Carr fans out here. Uh, Deshaun Watson from the Cleveland Browns going against Washington Commanders. Uh, number one, Cleveland's offense has just been all over the place, and this is going to be a low-scoring game to begin with, and Washington's been really stringing some, some good defensive plays together. So expect that to just kind of do its thing on the other side of that ball is Carson Wentz from the Washington Commanders. Um, I don't expect him to have a great game against, uh, Cleveland's pass defense either. Both quarterbacks are just not good. Uh, one of them is severely overpaid, but Hey, to each their own, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, I got Russell Wilson as another bad startup. You know, the matchup isn't completely terrible, but this is a, a very volatile choice. Um, you know, Russell Wilson had great numbers in their first meeting, but I don't expect him to continue. So I would just kind of sit back and, and put him on the bench if we got him. And then last but not least is Sam Darnold going against uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks? You might feel like this is a good idea based off of last week's numbers, but Tampa Bay has their back against the ball. This is essentially a win-or-go-home game, and I think Tampa Bay is going to play like they their life depends on it because at the end of the day it kind of does. Uh, some of your, you know, moving down to running backs. So of course, your your must starts. Your Derrick Henrys, your Dalvin Cooks, your Christian McCaffreys, your Austin awesome Eckler. If you don't know them by now, I don't even know why you're in the finals. So at the, at this point, uh, some of your strong starts are going to be uh, Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco from the Kansas City Chiefs going against the Broncos. The Broncos' run defense is absolutely falling apart, and the game script is definitely going to help uh, the Chiefs have a, a run produced offense. Uh, both same situation with Tampa Bay, Leonard Fournette and Rashad White from the Bucks going against Carolina. They both put up great numbers last week, uh, and then with Rashad White getting a touchdown, and I think that the Bucks are going to continue to lean on that, and it being a home game, so they're going to have themselves a good situation there. Uh, Zonovan Knight from the New York Jets going against the East Seattle Seahawks. Knight should be more active against a really run defense, uh, especially now that Zach Wilson's out of the picture. I think that he's going to have himself a good situation there. Uh, Zach Moss with the Colts going against the Giants. Uh, Moss is getting a lot of the key early down power work over Deion Jackson. And that's where the Giants have the weakest flaw is in that, that early down power play. So just kind of keep a watch on for that. Uh, Tyler Alger from the uh, Atlanta Falcons going against the Cardinals. Uh, he's getting volume in production as of late, and he's going to step into another good spot for scrimmage numbers. I think he's going to put a lot of yards. I don't know if he's going to get a lot of end zone touches but I think he's going to get a lot of yards. ER. So at the end of the day, um, you know, if you're just trying to rack up points, I think they will definitely do good. Uh, for the FanDuel, DFS, DraftKings, those guys, uh, you should be able to get all of these guys for $8,000 another. Uh, Travis NTN Jr. from the Jaguars, James Conner from the Cardinals, and then Cam Akers from uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Or excuse me, the Los Angeles Rams, my mistake there. Um, I think that all of these guys are going to have a good high floor um so you'd be able to to at least get some some really really positive numbers out there some of your week starts uh miles sanders from the eagles um it seems like he's having a real issue with holding on to the ball um and and limited production the past two weeks i just don't feel comfortable starting him so i'd go ahead and throw him on the bench uh same thing with d kelly at the cowboys um he's been a a scoring dependent fantasy value And the Titans are are one of the best teams at at shutting down the the rushing touchdowns. So I would go ahead and expect uh, uh, Zeke to not have himself a successful game. Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards from the Ravens going against the Steelers. The Steelers have just stopped the run in a big way as playing against a very tough test against the Raiders and the Panthers. So I expect them to carry this over into a a really Baltimore situation. Um, As much as we want to start Devin Singletary, and James Cook. The the Bengals have a great run defense, so Josh Allen's going to need to really throw a a mile to go ahead and win this game, because I think that they're going to stack the box, and they're going to try to get to Josh Allen and those running backs as much as possible. Uh, I've got both Chuba Hubbard and Deonta Foreman for the Panthers as as a center. Uh, With Tampa, I think that they're going to shut down the run um, much like they, Pittsburgh did against Carolina in week 15. And I think that Tampa has a better potential doing that, unlike Pittsburgh. Uh, and then last but not least is Antonio Gibson uh, from the Washington Commanders. He's disappeared from relevance with Robinson's role growing. So just go ahead and throw him to the side. Move down to White House. So, of course, your Justin Jefferson, your Jamar Chase, your DK Metcalf, your Chris Godwin, et cetera. Uh, so, we are strong starts. So I think that we're going to have a good situation for us. Brendan Ayuk from the uh, 49ers the Raiders cornerbacks just can't contain outside. And that's where AU just thrives. So expect him to have a great time. Alan Lazard with green Bay Packers. Um, He's going to get more looks considering that Christian Watson has a a, a major hip issue. So I think this is a game where he gets reheated and reignited. And, and we all know that Minnesota's pass defense isn't that great. So expect them to have a situation there. Uh, On the flip side of that ball, Adam Thielen from the Vikings going against green Bay. Uh, He's just, he scores almost every time that they play Green Bay. So just keep that in the back of your mind. And Green Bay put so much emphasis on on Justin Jefferson, and they did it when Stephon Diggs was there, and Adam Thielen was essentially just doing cartwheels in the end zone waiting for the ball and get to him. Uh, DJ Moore from the Carolina Panthers going against the Bucks, I think he's been reheated, and especially with Sam Darnold, seeing him as his number one target, you're definitely going to see him get those short routes and that, that red zone work. And one of D.J. Moore's stronger suits are those short routes that a seven-yard slant pass turns into a 60-yard touchdown. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind, too. Uh, I got Hunter Renfro uh, going with the Raiders going against the 49ers. This is a volume-based slot position. If you're in a PPR, it's going to be tough coverage on the outside. Um, Derek Carr is going to do what he can to keep this game relevant, and he's just going to keep dumping the ball off to Hunter Renfro. That's where he's always succeeded at. Uh, Michael Gallup and the Cowboys going against the uh, Titans. Um, Gallup did score and is getting back involved, and the Titans just can't cover him well on the outside. That's a weak point, and I think that Dak Prescott, it, He, I think he's evolving as a quarterback. I'm not saying that he's going to be the, the the latest and greatest and the best, but he's evolving, and I think he's starting to see the weaknesses in other defenses. Um, and the, and, the, and with Dallas, this is a, a game that they really, really have to win at this situation right here to keep themselves super relevant in the, in the playoff picture. Uh, some of your DFS, your DraftKings, FanDuel, those type of guys, uh, you should be able to get these guys for about eight grand and under. Um, you got St. Brown from the Lions, Chris Godwin from the Bucs, Garrett Wilson from the Jets, Drake London from the Falcons, and DJ Sharp from the Lions. You should be able to get those all 8000 and under. Um, based on matchups and you got situations where other players might be injured, or you just also got benefits like Garrett Wilson, for example, with Mike White's returning. And Garrett Wilson has had amazing numbers on Mike White as a starter, so just keep her, keep that option in the back of your head there. Uh some of your weaker starters. So I got Juju Smith Schuster for the first time being on this list after concussion protocol. It's hard to trust the Chiefs wideouts when they're when their running backs and Travis Kelsey are just dominating the, the majority of the production. Um, Kelsey's getting the air and then and then the running backs are getting the groundwork. Uh and then also Juju just uh, he just has he's so up and down, especially late in the season. If, if you are in a situation where you're in a must-win, where if you're playing for a title, I would go ahead and bench it. Uh, Deontay Johnson from the Steelers. Um, this is just going to be a tough, a tough matchup against Marlon Humphrey. Um, I expect him just to be undercovers most of the time. Marquise Brown from the Cardinals against the Falcons. Um, the downfield passing game is, is just it's, it's not there without without Kyler Murray, so I don't expect Hollywood to have himself a game there. Um, Donovan Peoples Jones from the Browns. Um, Playing Washington, um, I, I just I don't know, what, but with Cooper being healthy, and it seems like he's a safer bet, I don't know that, that People jones is going to get the looks he did before. Uh, Jacoby Myers and the Patriots going against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I just, again, this is a, a, a situational matchup. It doesn't look well. And with Kendrick Bourne uh, getting so much uh, of the attention last week, maybe that's where they're going to continue to uh, uh, to thrive on. Uh, Joshua Palmer from the Los Angeles Chargers going against the, uh, the Cross City rival Rams. Um, he's not getting the targets that he was beforehand, especially now with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen back to 100%. Um, he's kind of a forgotten element in the offense. Uh, and then last but not least, the other one that I, that I have as a weak point is Tyler Boyd from the Bengals as great as he's been all season a he's playing a buffalo defense and uh now with would would of course jamar chase being back full team and then trenton Irwin now getting more and more involved he's kind of that last look that he's not going to see the uh the, the looks that he did earlier the season that when when they were facing injury issues um moving down the tight ends of course your mustards your george kittles or travis kittles. you you should know these some of your stronger starts based on matchups. Uh, so first and foremost, Austin awesome Knox with the Buffalo Bills at Cincinnati. He's scoring and he's getting a lot of looks from Josh Allen out of the play. Um, another one is going to be Cole Komet from the Chicago Bears going against Detroit. Uh, he did a lot of damage earlier this season to Detroit. So expect that to carry on. Uh, Tyler Conklin from the New York Jets. Um, he gets a, just an outright cheat code matchup against the Seahawks. And with Mike YBMX, the Seahawks have the second worst tight end coverage uh, in the league. And... And again, with Mike White being back, I think that's going to really step the Jets up and and push them into a better situation. Um, And then some of your weaker starts, I don't have any DFS span duels just because tight ends are so few and far in between. So most of the great ones are already locked up and and plugged in. Uh, So Some of your weaker starts that I have, uh, Tyler Higby from the Rams, don't go chasing waterfalls is what TLC said. Uh, And I wouldn't go chasing scoring surges. Um, You know, he did have a very good, productive two weeks with Baker Mayfield. But going against the Chargers defense, I don't expect that to be the same situation there. Uh, Noah Fant from the Seahawks going against the Jets. He's been hot, but he's also playing the Jets. And and he is a touchdown-dependent tight end to begin with. And the Jets have a good, good record covering tight ends. So keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, Juwan Johnson from the Saints going against the Eagles. Um, He ain't getting a touchdown this week, so I don't expect them uh, for him to have any relevance. And then David Njoku from the Browns, uh, he struggled in a bad matchup last week. And I think after this week, he's going to be an afterthought. And the Commanders have done pretty well defensively as of late, so I don't expect him to have production. Um, Those are my stardoms and setups for uh, Week 17, the final week, the final countdown, the championship game. Uh, Good luck to everybody, except if you play me, then, well, I hope I
0: crush you. Are you, are you done champ you done
1: yeah man i'm done Great. i'm gonna i'm gonna take my title i'm gonna stand on the top rope and uh see if i can hold a hand out and get a beer thrown to me and then i'm gonna ride off into the sunset
0: yeah uh, yeah and then i come and sneak in and turn heel and then it's all
1: in my uh in, in my cutoff off jean shorts
0: yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, you know what in fact i might be the face because i gotta take the yeah if he comes up there in shorts uh, yeah the crowd might cheer for me to take you down oh uh, oh uh, listen if you look great in short hey do you america do you but all i will say before I put, before, I, before i put a button on this is, is is that hey if you're like me and you were absolute cheeks in fantasy this year that was next year and now he's taking the lines for me see this, this is what i say you know listen he, he, this is why i didn't want to give him the speech in the first place this when we have meetings i was like 50 50. And, and you know, as, as, you know, when I think of Chris, I think of humility, if it was opposite, then. So he has his moments. He has his moments. He, he, he He's okay. But what I will like to say is that I would like to talk about that, you know, lordship. So, because in, in a way. Yes, failed. You know, listen. You know, I, I you know, I, I, I'm a fashionable guy. A, a job that lets me wear a three-piece suit and sandals is okay by me. Man, right. will it be a full three-piece suit from the bottom? That's none of your business. So, but with that being said, I hope you all—if you guys are playing in your championship leagues—hope you guys do well. You do fantastic. And, and for you're playing, I, I do, you know, like I say, there's always the off season where you kind of figure out your roster, make your moves. You guys will be all right. You know, you guys will be okay. So, if there if there's nothing else, Chris, I I, I got to ask him to end the show. That's, I it's, it's part since it's the last show of this year. This is the only time I'll do it. So yeah, you know, 2023 uh, I'm not doing it. You
1: know, find us on the socials, uh, Ladarius underscore Brown. I think it is on the Twitter.
0: How many times have I said that? Oh, my God.
1: And, and I think it's uh, Ladarius double underscore brown on the Instagrams. I'm at, it's Christogram. I still got to get me a damn Twitter page. I've been, I've been slacking on it, man. I've I've been too busy winning titles to, to make Twitters.
0: <sighs> this, this guy.
1: Uh, check it out, man. Spotify, uh, uh, Apple, uh, all the other ones that he lists. I'll, I'm going to let him handle that. That's, oh. that's his expertise. I'm just too busy winning titles. <laughs> it was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it this year. Uh, we will catch you guys on the flip side. Have hope you guys had a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever the hell you celebrate. Uh, have a Happy New Year as well, and uh, go win some titles, boys.
0: You see, the one for the first time all year, I I'm like, oh, I let him in the show, and he's almost there, almost there. I'll t- you know just because he's the champ, he has other things on his mind. He's preoccupied, like what? You, know, you know, probably Paul. You know, buying some polish for his for his for his crowd or whatever, whatever he. Hello. There it is, folks. Well, if if you didn't hear what the what the king had said, listen to this episode. Every episode of Sports in the World podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, and where else you get your podcast. Follow me on the social at the underscore Brown on Twitter and TikTok and check out for later in the day where I'll be giving my preview of the Thursday night football game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans. I think and, the Cowboys
1: got this one.
0: You know. I'm gonna put it out
1: there. I think I think Dak Prescott goes in and takes care of business.
0: To me, it's one of two things. To me, the Cowboys should win this game. Because if you and I'll say this before we go. To me, Tennessee can lose this game and still win the NF- and win the AFC South next week. So they may be in a position where, if they're down, you know, if, at halftime by a certain score, I think Mike Vrabel may pull. And the Jaguars and the are in the very same. The Jaguars and the Titans will play the final week of the season. So you, you may not. I'm not saying you pull guys. You may see some guys pull out, but because listen, th- this game really, not, you know, I'm not saying the game is worthless, but dallas is already in the playoffs you know if you know positioning wise they, they can't get the one seed they can maybe try to position themselves but a couple of teams ahead of them they have to bank on the vikings they have to bank on they can't the the eagles they won the division so all but won the division i should say so it'll be interesting and fun to watch but until you hear us again next time in 2023 i'm ladarius i'm chris be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe from all the here from the Sports and the World Podcast. See ya.